I just want to wake up every day, throw a leg over my scoot, and ride. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. On road or off road, wrencher, rider, racer, or just a weekend warrior, this is the show for you. You found us, my fellas. Welcome to the American Roadrunner Podcast. And now, your host, Bob Marshall. Glad y'all could join us. Here, we share stories from the road on our two-wheeled motorcycle machines. All tales of spills, thrills, and chills. All the good, bad, and ugly stories from freedoms on the open road. I am your host, Bob Marshall, fellow wrencher, racer, and roadrunner, and writer of the book entitled American Roadrunner. Feel free to look us up on social media, Instagram, American Roadrunner, one word, also on Twitter, Facebook, American Roadrunner, and of course, the website, AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. Just a quick bit about me. Yes, I have a motorcycle problem that needs a damn 12-step program. I love everything that has to do with two-wheeled machines and the adventures on them and the road. I wrench on all my own machines, which is many. Many a scoot clutters my back property, all screaming at me to ride them. I love to ride, and I get to ride every day here in Southern California. To work, to the store, to the coffee shop, I just ride. I also love to hit the interstates and highways here across this fine country of ours we call the United States of America and beyond. I love to race. A little friendly competition between myself and fellow scooters is always a good idea. This means I have a little family race team. I started with my pops and my son who serves as crew chief for our outfit we call Flying Marshall Racing. We like to say we do the most unpopular types of motorcycle racing in the world. This includes land speed racing, Sanctioned by the SCTA, I am a member in good standings of the club known as the Roadrunners. We like to race out at El Mirage in Bonneville. How fast can you go in a straight line? We also do a little flat track racing and a little bit of little bike racing, which is great. I do on my little Rebel 250 pretty much all over this country. Hashtag little bike pervert. You can look that up. I also serve as president of Abate of California, Local 27, here in Riverside. Abate is your motorcycle rights and safety organization. Feel free to look them up, A-B-A-T-E, and support your local Abate. And yes, I like to also do and have done some cross-country chopper racing, formerly known as the Stampede. This means that I built a rigid scoot and have raced it across country, my personal time being just under two and a half days, nonstop, west coast to east coast. And this is where my book, American Roadrunner, came from. Feel free to pick it up on Amazon. Any bookstore can order it for you. And don't forget Chop Colt. Chopcult.com carries it as well. Big shout out to Lisa over there for carrying that for us. And of course, the website, AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. Today on the show, very excited to bring to you this. We got to do it over the phone. It's with one Miss Z a Traveler. And yes, I checked her ID. Her name really is Z-E-E Traveler with one L. So Z comes to us from Oklahoma. Well, that's where she was born anyways. The thing is, you'll find out these days she lives nowhere. She doesn't live anywhere. And everywhere, all at the same time. I got to become a big fan of hers after joining her Facebook group, Minimalist Motorcycle Vagabonds, MMV. She hosts and coordinates a group. She, of course, also has a website that you'll get to hear about. And needless to say, in my opinion, it was all pretty exciting. I might have even learned a thing or two from this young lady. So... Let's get to our phone chat we had. She was hanging out up north, avoiding the cold for a minute at a friend's house, and we got to sit down and have this chat, and lucky you to get to enjoy it, my fellows. I give you 
Z Traveler. As you all know, we're getting near the end of the year. And the end of the year means I may or may not be putting out another podcast in 2019. But we'll see how it all goes. Life is still extremely exciting, extremely busy. There's a lot of writing going on, but every so often I just have to grab it by the horns and see the inspiration of those that are around me. So today, my fellows, I'm very excited to introduce to you one young Miss Z Traveler. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm telling you, we've got a big storm that's about to roll through here, which means there's a 28% chance of rain. We might get a... (laughs) We might get a quarter oh, of an inch. So oh man, we're battening down the hatches and hoping nothing floods. So they don't take water too well down there. No, no, we don't. We don't take water at all. We don't know what to do with it. Um, I ride to work every day because it's never raining enough to make a difference. But you're up north right now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm up in uh, Turner, Oregon, which is the closest town anyone would recognize would be Salem. I'm pretty excited to introduce to all the listeners how the heck you got up there but i think what we should do is let the story slowly unfold so let's start at the beginning i introduced you as young probably because i'm jealous you're only 27 is that correct (laughs) yes i'm 27 i'll be 28 very soon all right well happy almost birthday so where did it all begin what inspired you to two wheels oh well it began in oklahoma my awfully flat home state I was 24th time in 2016. I had a very bad family life, and I mean, broken family to the T. After I evicted my mom from my house, because she was on meth, I, uh, on August 1st, 2016, she had two days to get out. I got her renter in there the 4th, and the morning of the 5th, I left for the first time by myself. I'd left the four states, the state four times before that. Two people drove me out, and two times I'd flown. So this was the first time I'd ridden more than three three hours at a time. The first time I've ever crossed the state line. And I'd never even camped before. I never even used the stuff that I had. I was so ill-prepared. I mean, I, the first night that it rained, I had to use my knife as a stake because I didn't pack any stakes. I didn't buy any, which is easily fixable. I went to Walmart. Just uh, I left August 5th. I was supposed to go find somewhere new to live. I had wanted to go check out a few places and whatnot. My first week on the road was so awful. I loved it so much. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this for a while. I'm just going to go back to Oklahoma after this month and get rid of all my crap and ride. So that's pretty much how this started. And that was how long ago? Three years. What bike were you on then? Are you still on the same bike now? or? No, I started out on the uh, 2010 Victory Cross Country. And then uh, I used that from August of 16 until January when I bought a 2013 Honda CB500X. And then I was on that until December of 18 when I got ran over in California. And after I can tell that story in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and after I got ran over, I bought a my first Kickstarter only bike. It's a 1991 Suzuki DR350, which I'm currently on. This is the one we get to see all the great pictures of online. The current one. I guess I don't really have a lot of pictures of this bike. I've had it for a year now, and it's atrocious that I've only put not even 10,000 miles on it. But I have an excuse for it. So. Yeah, well, all, all these things take a lot of good time. So from what I've always understood, I've got family, my older sister, who most definitely will be listening to this because she's awesome like that. My older sister, she's from Shawnee, Oklahoma, and all my nieces and nephews start riding at 14. I didn't start riding at 14. I was I was in the suburbia area of Oklahoma City, okay. raised by a grandma that was a cop. And I was the only girl on the block with five guys, five boys. So I was the, oh, you can't go, you're a girl. So I didn't start riding until my first boyfriend in high school. He got me started at 17, and we broke up when I was 18, and I started riding on my own. And then you were able just to to keep riding in Oklahoma. I mean, did you you drive a car as well, or were you just kind of riding everywhere there? Yeah, I had a a brief stint with a, a bike. Uh, when I was 18, and then I sold it and didn't get back on one until I was 20, I believe. Yeah. And I um, 
I'm sorry. And then I was consistently on a bike, always had one up until I left for the road. I, I always had a car during that time, so I wasn't a full-time rider. I wasn't. I didn't even put a lot of miles on before I left to ride. Sure, I right. was definitely a fair-weather rider. <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing to say, but I used to be one. Well, we all get to start somewhere. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be embarrassed of that at all. I think that's that's pretty awesome. And once you left, what direction did you head in? I mean, what was the uh, what was the inspiration for your direction of movement? So I I went north. Um, I wanted to see my best friend had moved to Seattle that summer before I left. Left, so I wanted to go see him. Oh, was it, was it the year before? For, I don't know. It was shortly before I left for the road. He had moved up there. I hadn't seen him since. Yeah. <laughs> so I headed that way. I wanted to see the redwoods and some mountains. You know, being from Oklahoma, I'd never been over a thousand feet. So I wanted to see some nice, pretty stuff that you see in movies and, and whatnot. So that was the whole goal was to go northwest. Well, what changed my direction was that I started talking to a guy that was also a traveler, and we were talking about being partners. So after a month, I hit Oklahoma, got rid of all my stuff. I had a storage unit. Sure. I got rid of all the furniture, just kept my sentimental sentimentals, and went to Massachusetts. Um, that's probably my first technical iron butt ride. I did 1,800 miles in 45 hours. Nice. Man, took a couple naps at rest stops. Mm, you're in good company, Amiga. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I wish I had Wait, a dollar. Picnic tables, the Vagabonds Hotel. Picnic table? That's kind of fancy. I usually just crash next to the back with my helmet on. It makes for a good pillow. <laughs> so I usually go for the table if I can, but if there's no table, I'll just go next to the bike. Yeah. Well, that's probably better that way. I've learned, I've had some real trouble if you park in a normal car spot and try to lay down next to the back, the security guards come up and start screaming at you. Because... I've never had a security guard bother me. I've never been bothered by anyone ever where I've slept, other than some really nice Canadians that were trying to give me beer and food while I was trying to take a nap. Huh. She looks tired. Let's give her beer and food. <laughs> yeah, I'm over here sleeping on a picnic table, trying to pull some massive stupid mileage from Jasper, Canada National Park to a uh, seattle to see my friend i was just like you know what screw it everything's on fire i'm just gonna go to seattle pull off for a nap so i can keep riding through the night and the canadian some rv uh canadians in an rv they're like hey you want a beer and i'm like no i gotta i gotta ride and then, and then i go back to sleep and they wake me up and they're like oh we got fish and potatoes and i'm like no i already ate but now i can't go back to sleep so i'm just gonna go and go oh this is great this is great i love it strawberry was on fire i actually slept in a little pull-off. It wasn't even a pull-off, only a bike could fit there. I slept there, and there was fires across the lake. Hit the border at 6 in the morning after some Tim Hortons, and I, and I get tired again shortly after in eastern Washington. And I pull off and sleeping next to my bike, and it's flat out there. There wasn't really anywhere to hide myself. Yeah. Some lady pulls off, and she's like, Sir? Sir? Are you okay? <laughs> Sir? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm fine. She's like, Sir? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm fine. And she's like, oh, shit, you're a fucking woman. Now, that's funny. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm just tired of taking a nap real quick. <laughs> so I go back to sleep, and she comes back like half an hour later with a coffee. Hi, Tim Hortons. We should, we should absolutely tell everybody in the world of coffee, if you're in the States, the answer is Starbucks. But once you get north, I wish I knew the number, but the answer is Tim Hortons. Really good uh, coffee. I wouldn't say that Starbucks would be the Tim Hortons. Maybe like Panera Bread, but they don't really have coffee. Oh, oh, wait. Tim Hortons. To be equivalent to Tim Hortons, it's got to be like a deli type place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've only With stopped at coffee. a few in Canada, but they're really nice. That's what they are. They got free Wi-Fi, so when I didn't have service back when I first started going to Canada, you know, I was like, oh yeah, Tim Hortons. I know they got Wi-Fi. I'm going to sit here and have a decent little chicken wrap before I head back on. Well, how long were you riding and jumping all over the country? I mean, and you got to spend some time in Massachusetts. You got to spend some time back in Seattle. Starting out, so Seattle, when I went to Massachusetts, the dude broke my heart, left me at his mom's house. So I stayed there until I was road road ready again. We drank together, and it was good times. In what... November of that year, <clears throat> I decided to go down the East Coast, which was, I waited way too late. 
that was like gale force winds trying to beat south to get from snow to freezing rain ended up sleeping off the interstate in delaware made my way on down to florida met a couple friends not a couple friends made a couple friends i should say there you go and then uh explored florida then stopped in january of 17 worked until may of 17 left on the road was on the road from late may of 17 to january of 18 i did 20,000 miles on that trip went all the way up to canada came back down into Oklahoma, went back to canada came down into oregon went back to canada came all the way down to california oklahoma to california just went everywhere you know I stopped um there's a highway that goes across canada if you ever want to just stay up in Canada and go all the way across it, you don't have to jump up and down into the States and then back into Canada. Well, I had reasons to, but also the gas is cheaper if you drop into the States. Oh, you know what? That's true. That's I never... If you're crossing the middle of the, the continent, it's all flat, so might as well just do it the cheapest way possible. Shoot. I think I just learned something. You just schooled me. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. Well, I think... <laughs> I think there's a lot to that because it is, it sounds very obsolete for most people, very untangible. But the answer is you carry your camping supplies with you everywhere you go, right? Oh, yeah. I've always got my, I've never been a tent camper. I've never even owned a tent. So I have a hammock and it's gotten better over the years as I figured out how to stay warm in the hammock and buying quality, going from a crappy REI sleeping bag to a um, an American-made U.S. company that's a quilt, which if you want to talk about learning something, quilts are superior to, to sleeping bags. Fight me. I don't care. Oh. I can tell you why. <clears throat> and then I upgraded to a decent tarp and, you know, other various nice things to where my comfort level is decent. My my, my camping gear is probably around $1,000 worth of stuff nice. because staying warm and staying dry are my priorities. Well, I think a lot of people forget that. I know... I was just up in central northern Arizona by Jerome. I was in Cornville. It's a beautiful area up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a way beautiful area. Um, and I get to visit there once or twice, sometimes three times a year. But everybody made fun of me for bringing all the gear that I brought. Uh, I was just laden down with gear. But I tell you what, I was the only one that was warm. Everybody else froze their keisters off. Yeah, you're over here like, you're, you're going to make fun of me until you're cold and wet, and I'm not. It works. I've learned that I really like the big tents compared to the small tents, just for the fact that my moisture from my breath doesn't collect on the ceilings of the big tents. You think it's going to be cooler, like the bigger tents aren't going to hold the insulation, but my big Coleman actually does really, really well, so... The fact that you can do it in the hammock is really surprising because every time I've slept in a hammock, my butt freezes. So you put the quilt underneath you and then over you? or? Well, the proper hammock technique is to have it under quilt, which doesn't go in the hammock. It goes under the hammock because down is, if you're going to get anything down or anything, even the synthetic, it's not very um, insulating when you compress it, especially down because it works on air baffles. Sure. The goose feathers make air baffles and, you heat, and that keeps all your heat to you. So when you compress it, it's just like a sheet. Right. So there's supposed to be a quilt underneath it, and there's a and then you put a quilt on you. But instead, because that wouldn't work if I can't hang, I have a pad that I put in the hammock, and I have a double-layered hammock, so it goes between the layers, so it doesn't pop out on me. And then I have a quilt that goes on top. So if I can't hang, I just toss a um, – I have a traveler's sheet. You know, it's the size of like a pack of cigarettes. Sure. Toss that down, toss my pad down on top to stop the pokey stuff, and then put the quilt on top of the pad, and I'm set. It's going to rain, I toss the tarp on top of me, do a lean-to with the bike, or just use it as a blanket. It depends on how lazy I am. I've done that several times, and then you wake up and realize everything around your face is wet because of your breath, you know, because of your moisture. So it's nice to have that little bit of space, whether it's the bike leaning or whatever. And I've also learned I've got a blanket that has a bunch of holes in it like a holy blanket mm -hmm. and it's very thin but i just cut out a piece of it and i put that over my face so my nose stays warm <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that is one of those problems when it gets cold is keeping your nose warm and i think i you know give me your opinion but after two or three days i get used to it but who's ever camping really for more than two or three days i mean i've gone out for you know a week or two at a time but I, I, I've done it for a couple months at a time. Do you get used to your nose being cold? 
well, I usually, if, it, if my nose is getting cold at night, I, I change my elevation at night or change my latitude. Understood. Understood. <laughs> that's, that's the whole freedom of being a, a full-time vagabond is that why do I have to ride in that? I have time to wait. And if I don't like the conditions here, I'll go find the conditions I do want. You're absolutely right. And I think there's a lot to that. A lot of people hit the road not really understanding that it's okay to take your time and figure out where you're going to camp. Everyone makes the mistake. You know, I, I run Minimalist Motorcycle Vagabonds, which briefly, it's 13,000 members. I started it three years ago in this upcoming February. And I started it because I was like, <clears throat> I was on a Facebook group, and they kept asking what trailer to pull with their motorcycle and what AC and what generator to bring. And I'm like, okay, that's technically camping, but that's not my kind of camping. Amen. So I'm going to start this group. And I'm going to name it something ridiculous. I don't know why the hell I had to go with the longest name to say minimalism. But I was like, you know, I'll find like 500 people. I'll find like, I found my people. You know, I just want to find people that I talk to them. They're not like, oh, that's so crazy. You're so brave. Or, you know, that same bullshit you get from people who don't do this. That's really good bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it is good bullshit. Uh, yeah. No. So it blew up. It was, I, I hit 10,000 members in the first year. Sure. I did a lot of marketing on it, went into other Facebook groups trying to pull people in because I'm, I'm a worldwide group. So it doesn't matter where you're from. The whole point of my group is to bring people together to share tips and tricks on how to save money for long distance trips. Because I believe you don't need to be rich to travel. You don't need to have an expensive bike to travel. It doesn't matter what brand of bike you like so long as you love it. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from or where you're riding so long as you are riding. So I, I'm really big supportive of that community and bringing in the the family feeling that, you know, some, sometimes we just, we've, we've lost in some of the, uh, you know, different sects of the community. Well, you're absolutely right. And I'm a huge opponent of said type of camping and said type of lifestyle and said type of moving. And I think that's what led to your other page as well, right? Well, MMV is where I started and that's how I've made my name. So, you know, I've got my travels and I post on my own profile and I have a page and I have a website but MMV is where I really got a lot of recognition because I, I, I foster a community that, that doesn't allow assholes. I don't give a fuck who you are, stay respectful, or get the fuck out. Well said. And so I made I made a name for myself. And I'm a, I'm a 27-year-old. I'm over here telling, like, two grown-ass men that are fighting on Facebook to act like adults. Like, But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love, nonetheless. Yeah, I understand. Um, so, so I have my name from that group, and I wrecked in December of last year. I had both my legs ran over. I low sided on 101 in California in San Jose. Yeah. And a car ran me over and a car ran the bike over. Otherwise, we would have rode off. So I flew to Seattle the next day, bought a bike 10 days later, my first kickstart, and rode it down in December to San Jose again. You know, that's awful decisions. Don't recommend it. Zero ten. Zero, zero but, ten. Yeah, zero ten recommended in there. <laughs> How long were you in the hospital for after that wreck? Uh, I had a concussion. And they let me out, and I left. I wrecked at six thirty in the morning, and I was walking out at like stumbling out at five o'clock that afternoon. Yeah. No Ooh. phone, no bike. Everything in the bike was lost. They wouldn't even let me see it. And then I flew to Seattle because it was a prearranged flight for my best friend, and bought the bike there. Cause I couldn't find anything in San Jose. I'm poor, so I bought that bike and I rode it down. It took me three days to do that thousand mile ride. Stopped in Salem my friend here where I'm staying and then um, had to get my first hotel in three years due to the pain. Come to find out, my MCL was torn. It was completely torn apart. My kneecap was dislocated. My PCL was sprained. And and of course, I had that concussion. But the pain I had was when my leg was bent, my PCL sprain would just crank up and I'd be yelling in pain about two or three times an hour. And I had to ride with my leg hanging down most of that ride and I had no gear I didn't fly up intending to buy a bike so I didn't even have a helmet I didn't have I had a pair of sweatpants and a pair of shoes like tennis shoes and a hoodie so I hit the thrift store bought everything I could that was cheap some oversized boots then got to my friend's house and he outfitted me this story comes down to the fact that I had to have surgery to replace that tendon in May of this year mm. and I knew Bunker Biker I was technically the admin for the US page and I, I went through and I was like, you know what? Every single one of these groups, because there's there's regional groups, every single one of these has been inactive for about a year, if not two years. Mm. It was founded by, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name. It's Kajetel Lystead. He started it. He's Norwegian. 
cool. He's a big traveler. Um, he started it about October of 16, and then his health declined, and he started having problems, and he lost the ability, the time to take care of it and to promote it. So it bloomed and then just died. So in, in May, I approached him on Facebook. I was like, hey, I've got a bit of a name for these, for these communities. People kind of know me, and I'd love to take this over. And I told him, I was like, I could start my own, but an American-based group will normally stay mostly American, even if you try to hit world. Right. So since he started in Europe, there was a foundation in Europe. And so I was just like, you know what? I just want to manage this. I want to run it. I want to get everything organized. I want to make everything to make this a thing because it's something that's close to my heart. I'm a traveler, and I love staying with people as I travel. Right. And he's like, cool, take it over. You know, And I've never once taken credit for starting it. I didn't start it. He did. And we are talking about trademarking it soon. And um, if his health doesn't improve, he will probably give it to me full time. And I'm working on products and whatnot. But anyways, I took it over, connected all the groups, got a new map, have a paid subscription, made some have some how-to guides on how to be a good guest, how to be a good host. And it's it's literally, right now, it's about 1,000 and some odd, like, five pins. And they're all hosts around the world. We have a really good following in New Zealand, Australia, the U.S., Canada, some Mexico. Um, Scandinavia is really good, and some parts of Europe are pretty good. And it's just, um, it's color-coded, so you can find pens for if you want to camp in someone's yard or if you want a bedroom or if they have both. And then people can also mention if they have a garage, secure parking tools, or a trailer if you break down. And so I just started promoting it. I didn't myself get to use it until about a month ago when I got back from Europe. Right. Because I did my surgery May 17th, couldn't walk for six weeks until June 28th, and then flew to Romania August 7th or August 8th. So I'd been walking about five weeks when I hit Romania, and my leg was like a toothpick when I started walking. Ever wonder what happened to the music they used to play on the radio? It's now available and virtually commercial-free for your ride. Dirty Radio FM. Get the app today and enjoy it streaming or download songs to your heart's content. Dirty Radio FM is free and the best way to enjoy music through a Senna like Bob or with earbuds while you're on the road. Dirty Radio FM. Get the app today. So Bunker Biker is the name of the Facebook page. Yeah. It's a Facebook page, which is something that you like. It's a Facebook group, and it's about 20 groups. So it's Bunker Biker, and then it'll be a country name. So the U.S. group is the largest. It's about to hit 6,000 people. And then I host all of the um, other information on my website. So it's ztraveler.com slash Bunker Biker, and then there'll be... Um, there's a forum for if you're having problems with the map, if you need help to report a problem, right. um, how to be a good host, guest, you know, various uh, other things that you can do. As much information as I've been able to write up to help people feel safe in doing this, because I, I often get the, oh, if it, it, what if it's safe or what if someone's bad, you know, and I, I have plenty of tips to encourage them to do it if it's not going to make them too uncomfortable. Sure, sure. Well, it sounds like you might have an app in your future. Yeah, there's there's uh, one of the admins for the New Zealand group. He's he said that he could possibly do one, but I'd love to get an app going and have the map integrated into it. And one day it'd be nice to have a rating system, um, so that way you'd be like, oh well, Z Traveler's been hosted this many times. It just takes money, and I don't really have money. <laughs> I just have time. No, you're right. It does. I uh, all the different stuff you can do online. I mean, I think WordPress kind of owns and rocks most of it, but. No matter what you do, everywhere you go, everyone's nickel and diamond you to death. But it sounds absolutely wonderful, especially on a free form like Facebook. And it probably all works out pretty well. I mean, nobody's been robbed. Nobody's been hurt. Nobody's been. It's always been good stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And people are using it to this day. I'm using it. Um, I'm traveling. I got back from Europe October 24th, and I, I hit the road about a week after that and started started using bunker biker since i took it over and i'm trying to take pictures and, and i'm writing my own stories because it's good for my marketing and networking to have my own content because i don't have to worry about permissions do you have a large uh, blog um i have a, a journal i keep on my website but most of my 
if you want to follow my travels, you you have to add me on Facebook or just follow me. I have a page, but I I have so many projects. It's hard for me to even keep up with my own my own personal networking over being the admin for MMV and the the manager of Bunker Biker. So my website's out of date. It's awful. But my big trip this year, I told you I only did 10,000. I haven't quite hit 10,000 miles in this DR since I bought it in December of last year. Yeah. Because I went to Europe. I went to Romania. In Romania! This is so Romania. exciting from my point of view. So let's hear it. Jump on a plane, go to Romania. Yep. That story is um, back in January, um, Maria and Roland came over to the U.S. And Roland hit me up on Facebook. He's like, hey, you want to have coffee? And I'm like, sure. So I meet up with them, and uh, I get along really well with them. Maria has a tour company over in Romania, a motorcycle tour company. But we ended up doing Alcatraz together, had a great time. So I went over, and she's like, you come to Romania, I give you a motorcycle. And I'm like, deal. So I go. And uh, she hosts me. She gives me a bike to use while I'm there. I did, um, took a bit to get on the road when I first got there, but I did 15 days from Romania to Austria. I did eight countries on that one. Then I did uh, to Moldova with her, which was just Romania and Moldova. And then through her, I met the Adventurists, which is a British company, and they put people on 50cc Chinese Honda Monkey knockoffs. That's great. <laughs> yeah, they're like a thousand. $1,200 a piece. They'll buy a fleet of them, like 45 of them for these countries. They have it in Romania, Morocco, and Peru. And then they, people just pay and they, they do this awesome, fantastic, like beginning party, ending party. They, you don't even have to know how to ride. I taught like 20 something people how to ride That's as great. a volunteer. That's great. So I volunteered with them. Right. And they gave me a bike to use for the tour. So I, I went from the Ukrainian border in Romania, a little town called Sigatu. And went through Transalpine and Transfigarshan mountain roads, um, and then ended in Hanadwara. Great ride. It was almost a thousand kilometers. I hung out with two guys during that time. I mean, just, just that was my favorite ride of my life was being on that 50cc. Well, I'm a huge opponent of little bikes. I mean, I, my hashtag is little bike pervert. I have Honda Rebels. I still cruise all over the u.s or cruise all over town but that's like five times bigger than a 50 cc so <laughs> well and then also i, I did a 10-day a trip from romania down into bulgaria greece montenegro and then back to romania wow. so i did four separate trips in the two and a half months i was there for exactly 11 weeks american roadrunner brings you a roadrunner in the headlight let's get to it Today, headlights on, one Mr. Ronald R.D. Harmon. Mr. R.D. comes to us from Arkansas, or Arkansas as some say. He's currently living in Phoenix, attending MMI, learning to be a Harley Tech. Good for him for bettering himself. You can find him on the gram at moto.maverick. And needless to say, this man's got my vote because yes, he likes the big cruisers. He rides a Honda 1800, has a YouTube channel, and also a podcast. Check it all out on the gram, moto.maverick. Headlights on you, Mr. RD. All six foot eight, 250 pounds of this guy. Always wearing glasses, rocking it. And yes, ladies, I hear he might be single. <laughs> American Roadrunner brings you a Roadrunner in the Headlight. Next up, because she's worth it, Headlight is on one Mrs. Julie Smith. You can find her on the gram at J-U underscore letter C Smith. I'm a big fan of this woman and all her awesomeness. She lives in the middle of nowhere. When I originally messaged her and asked her, if you'd like to be on this segment of the show, maybe we can do a little phone call audio. Needless to say, she gets no service where she lives, so she figured it out, and this is how it turned out. Bro, I'm so sorry. I live in the sticks where I have, like, zero cell reception. It really sucks. When I have to make phone calls, I have to do it while I commute on my way to work because that's when I have cell service. It really, really sucks. A thousand, one hundred million, jillion, a ride in one K. 
<laughs> Apologies, I'm so sorry. I live in such a bad area, we can't even get Wi-Fi. They can't connect us to any kind of wireless unless we have like some stupid 200 foot pole. Needless to say, I can't get shit done when I'm at home, so uh, it really, really sucks. And my commutes are really early for California time. Um, I'm assuming it's like mm, 6.30 right now for you guys. Anyway, I wanted to tell you I've been enjoying the shit out of your podcast, so uh, keep up the good work, and I hope to talk to you sometime soon. I don't have a whole lot of stories from the road. Uh, I don't get to travel, kind of a weekend warrior, so to speak, but I have made a few maiden voyages, so it's been good. I do plan to get some more road time. I uh, converted a friend over, a former co-worker who decided that riding his own scoot would be the way to go and he hasn't looked back and I'm super happy so I told him I said well you're going to be my partner in crime whenever I have a long road trip you can join me and my husband and we can go ride and it's always more fun with more people so I will say that ride 1k in a day is on my bucket list so I'm super excited that um, that will be coming up sometime I'm going to make it happen Telling it, thanks for inspiring me. Um, I just admire people who can do that, so hopefully I can make it within the 24 hours. Dude, hey, have a good day. Um, I'm behind a bunch of slow people. Cagers, damn them. Anyway, it's too cold to ride. Otherwise, I did think about it. Um, have a great rest of the week, and we'll have to talk sometime. I'll have to figure that out. I don't know when. But again, I owe you a big apology. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, I feel like I keep giving you the runaround, but it's not on purpose, I promise. Okay, later, dude. And isn't she just polite as fuck? Julie, thanks for sharing all your awesomeness on the gram. Headlights on you, darling. Thanks for being a fellow roadrunner. Let's get back to the road with Bob Marshall and the American Roadrunner podcast. Well, let's hear it. What was your favorite story? I mean, other than hanging out with two guys, what was your favorite story? Oh, man. I don't really have a lot of super good stories. I just know that my favorite day was on Transalpino with the two monkey riders. But besides that, on my own... I had one day in Montenegro. I had one abandoned campsite in Macedonia I really wanted to buy. And then the day that I rode in Stelvio and the Dolomites. They were just all amazing. And I love Bulgaria. I went to Motocamp Bulgaria. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, do explain. Um, I, I feel awful. I don't remember his name. It's Paul something. He um, He's a big-time rider. Done the mega-distance stuff with the Harley, I think. Mm-hmm. And he bought, he ended up falling in love with a Bulgarian woman, from what I understand, and he ended up starting Molo Camp Bulgaria. It's like 10 bucks a night. It's kind of like a hostel. Okay. But it's motorcycle themed. It's really, really cool place to check out. It's really close to the famous um, monument, the big Soviet spaceship looking building. And the, and the riding there is just amazing. Like, Bulgaria is a beautiful country. I was supposed to go, I was working in December of last year to go to South America and everyone knew I was going to South America until it wrecked. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm in Romania and everyone's like, that's your going to South America. And I was like, yeah, I get lost. (laughs) Well, yeah, sometimes people get lost. (laughs) Somehow I ended across the pond. I'm not really sure, but my future plan is I'm now working towards South America. Um, I'm going to be leaving autumn of this upcoming year and I'm opening the invitation to try to find a friend to go with me as well because I've done the solo thing for 30 years I'll continue being solo but finding a friend to, in- to enjoy at least part of a trip would be nice well we've all learned it's very hard to find people to keep up with us uh, and it's what's great that, what's that Facebook meme it's like planning the ride and there's like 20 people right. and, and then like the week before the ride and the day before the ride and the day of the ride you're taking a selfie exactly <laughs> this this is why talks big about doing it and never really get around to making the uh, required work for it well and this is why the selfie was invented apparently i don't know i don't take very many selfies i don't think most people even know what i look like and 
Uh, I well, will. so long as you're taking pictures of your bike, because you're not a real biker unless you're taking photos of your bike every time you park it. Yeah, I need to, apparently I'm falling way behind on that stuff, and I've, I've posted pictures before, and I'm like, oh, here's a picture of my bike in, I don't know, Durango or Oregon, and someone goes, when, when was that? I go, well, that's now, and they're like, well, how did you get there? I'm like, well, I just rode here yesterday. Well, how come you didn't, you know? <laughs> They're like, well, how come you didn't post so, that? So you have that classic problem of um, you don't stop for photos often enough. No, I don't want to stop. I just want to go. MMV has taught me that most people, when they start, because there's, there's more than just me doing this full time. There's, I know at least 20, and there's probably way more than that that don't have a social media presence. Right. Um, everyone starts out rushing and pulling massive miles to begin with and it takes you a few months to slow down and realize hey i don't have anywhere to be this isn't a job <laughs> my my favorite i'm gonna step back my favorite was the show i did a few episodes ago with melissa holbrook pearson and i and she was she said the exact same thing like you know bob it's okay to slow down and i'm like well i think i've only done like 15 20 000 miles she goes that's not slowing down <laughs> That's not how it works, you know. Oh, well, I stopped and had lunch the other day in the middle of, you know, wherever, on my way to wherever. And uh, I, I, you're right. And I think it comes down to style. And I know there's just a handful of us. Well, there's many handfuls of us, my friends and fellow stampeders that I hang around with. And it really turns into a sickness where we really enjoy just going and doing and i think my buddy jer said it best he came in from durango he said this is the best day ever i just rode 750 miles ate a taco and now i'm on a podcast you know like this was jer <laughs> he's like this is the best day ever and i i hope in the future to really get to slow down it'd be nice just to do a few hundred miles stop and find a bunch of places to see a lot of it i've seen I was up in, uh, I was up on the 70 the other, uh, last year and I thought that sign's weird. It doesn't look right. And then I rode by it this year and I went, oh, they finally fixed that sign. Like, isn't that nice? So, I, <laughs> you know, and that's a thousand miles or that's 700 miles away from me or whatever it may be. And I think it's, it's really no different. You just get out and start crushing miles. Welcome to the Abate Minute. Brought to you by Abate of California, your motorcyclist rights and safety organization. It's that time. Welcome to the Abate Minutes, my fellows. You may be asking yourself, what is Abate? The focus of Abate is education, safety, and legislation. Today, a little bit on safety. This is written for you by Mark Loudermilk. Today's drivers are distracted more than ever. And to add to that, we are coming into the holiday season, which distracts people even more. One of the biggest things you should focus on when riding is situational awareness. This encompasses everything from the time of day it is, the traffic around you, pedestrians, animals, debris on the road, the conditions of the road itself, and the weather. All things that, if judged incorrectly, can hurt you and or kill you. When I am riding, my state of mind is I am invisible and every vehicle is going to turn and pull out in front of me. I've been looking right in the eyes of drivers and had them turn in front of me. One of the keys is where you position yourself in traffic. When I am splitting lanes, I try not to pass a car that does not have another car beside it. That way, I am less likely to get hit by someone making a snap judgment to change lanes. I try to make sure I can see the eyes of the driver in front of me in one of their mirrors. If you cannot see their eyes, they cannot see you. And always, leave yourself an escape route. If you are stopped in traffic and see someone approaching fast from behind, have a way to move out of danger. These are just a couple of the basic things of defensive riding. So go out there, have a blast, and be safe. Brought to you by Beta California board member Mark Loudermilk. Support your local abate, my fellows. Let's get back to the road with Bob Marshall and the American Roadrunner Podcast. 
I tell you what, I'm really excited in the future. I'd love to do some Trans-American Trail riding. I've got a Honda Rebel uh, that I'd love to just get out and do some off-roading with. Um, have you done much on the Trans-American Trail with that uh, Suzuki you got? No, I I bought the bike because it's more capable than I am. Okay. Um, since, I, since I'm full-time on the road, I have to save money where I can. Mm-hmm. And the way I save money is that I, I'd never pay to sleep. I didn't do it in Europe. Except for when I was on the monkey run, I split with the hotel with the guys. Sure. And then, you know, I went to camp just because I wanted to say that I stayed there. But I slept in parking lots. Like, I'm ornery. I will 100% sleep anywhere to save money. Yeah. And, I mean, most of the time, if I, if it's an area where I'm not supposed to be, I just get a couple hours and keep riding. You know, some days it's it's some days you do ride. Like, some days I wake up and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to ride 800 miles. I don't feel like stopping today. Cool. And then other days I only ride 200 miles and it took me all damn day to do it. See, I need more days like that in my life. Like, that sounds awesome. Well, I bought the bike, the 350. It does do highway. You know, I get the whole, oh, I can't go on the interstate. Yeah, bullshit. I could do 75 all day. That's good. It's just not fun. It's not fun. I, I bought the bike to slow me down. You right. know, limiting myself by limiting the machine that I'm on. Because the slower I go, the more I enjoy it, the more I remember it. The days that I've pushed and done miles and done miles it's just a blur and especially when you do that for weeks and months on end it really does not set good memory so the slower you go the more you remember the more you really experience it and that's why the 50cc was my favorite ride because right. i didn't really miss anything of that ride <laughs> no i totally agree with you i'm uh you know i've gotten to do a bit of traveling on my rebels mostly i hop them around but you're absolutely right. If you slow down, it's okay to see a lot more of everything that's out there. I give you a lot of credit, uh-huh. and I I know I've been on a Honda Rebel for, you know, five, six, seven hundred miles, and you're just wound up the whole time. I suspect your 350 is the same way. You just, you know, I don't know. It's even... not bad. Okay, cool. It's, um, it's about 3,000, 2 or 3,000 from, from red, so I've, I've got quite a bit before. If I hit 70, is fine. 60 to 65 is its happy range. Cool. I don't burn a lot of oil in that in that range. Yeah, that Have makes Have you ever sense. considered um, more of a dual sport, you know, like CRF or a XR, the DRs? Yeah, I, I've set up my Honda Rebels in kind of that format, and they actually work real well. Sometimes I think it would be nice to have a bigger engine, but then I think... Why don't I just lose 30 or 40 pounds and go five miles an hour faster? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, so, and then if you're going to go off-road, the heavier bike, the more it takes out of you to manhandle it through. Exactly. And you get tired having to pick it up. And the great thing about the Rebels, which I love the Rebels, they are so cheap to modify. The parts are ridiculously you. cheap. Oh, no. And I'll tell you, all I do is I walk over to, I've got a few old Yamaha 650s. And I take the shocks out of the pile that I'd taken off those because I chopped them or whatever. So I guess I take maybe an 8-inch shock off of the Rebel and I put on a 10.5-inch shock on the rear. And then I, you know, add some spacers to the forks in the front and that bumps it up another inch. And it does really well. It's really easy to... Oh, and I put a set of, um, like, off-road bars on it. And it does really well. Um, And then uh, in the future, I'd like to change the tires out. To a multi-terrain. Oh, yeah. You should be riding some knobbies on that thing. Yeah, pretty much. Or maybe, a, I think the term is 80-20 or 60-40. Probably a 60-40 would work best. It does really yeah, well. sport tires. Right. They're kind of like dual-sport bikes. They don't really do anything good, but they can kind of do both both worlds. Okay, okay. yeah. And I'm never afraid to take a few pounds out of my tires. Yeah. I ride a cheap tire on the CR. I'm riding the um, Shinko 705s, which are, I don't know, 70 30s, right. 70 on road, 30 off road for people who don't know. And uh, they do all right. I mean, I slip around if I hit mud or whatever, but they do fine for the. Uh, so I, the bike is meant to get me to camp. I like to remote camp. I like to be as far away from people as possible and not see any cars while I'm parked there. So the bike is meant to get me to a great place to sleep. You know, when I travel, I want to see beautiful views i love nature nice. and i want to have great camping you know those are my destinations i don't give a shit about monuments i really don't everyone's like oh you got to go see the golden gate and i'm like cool it's a fucking bridge <laughs> i go to mount rainier and i'm like oh this is beautiful i've been to 
I think 22 or 24 national parks. Oh, that's pretty and about good. about six national monuments. Mm-hmm. I'm about halfway through them. I've done the big major ones. And um, this next year, as I, I'm going to, instead of staying somewhere and working for five months straight, I'm going to work a month or two and then move because I just don't do stagnation very well. Right. So I'm planning on moving my way back east. I haven't been there since 17, if some people miss me. Cool. And then, you know, as I'm moving across and picking up jobs, I'll go explore my areas and I want to hit some of those lesser known national parks. Perfect. My favorite one currently is Lassen, Lassen Volcanic in California. It's the north uh, northwest corner and there's also a national monument that's north of it uh, called Lava Beds. Very beautiful up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. Well, I think the burning question most people would have is... Poetry from the Road, brought to you by Road Scribes of America. The roads that I have taken have been quite the ride. With poetic motion, I've ridden them in stride. The windings, the curves, the smiles and the frowns, the hills and the valleys, the ups and the downs. There's no way of knowing what lies up ahead Yet with each adventure, life's energies fed. Every wild experience that life has put me through, I've learned that they are best shared when passed on to you. Rod Hatter, 2010. Lines Prelude. And that is where we're going to end up stopping it for today. Can you believe Z and I had such a great chit-chat there that it's going to take a few episodes to get through it all? Stay clicked in. We'll release the next one in a few days. You can find Z on our website, Z-E-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-E-R, ztraveler.com. You can also find her on her Facebook pages, Minimalist Motorcycle Vagabonds, MMV, or Bunker Biker. Check her out. I'm a big fan of hers. This young woman's doing great things, going far places, and making it all happen. Until next time, my fellows, keep the rubber side down, stay warm, be good to yourselves. Darn, it's cold out there. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. All I want is a machine between my legs and an open highway. Music for the American Roadrunner podcast is brought to you by Meek. The American Roadrunner podcast is an ARR production. Keep up with Bob Marshall and his adventures and stories from the road at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com, American Roadrunner on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube. We'll see you on the road.